Hello and welcome to the sixth and final Campaign Can Daily Global Podcast. I'm Gideon Spanier, UK editor and chief of Campaign, and I'm in London now because we've come back from Can, and four of my colleagues from our network of websites around the world join me. So it's Alison Weisbrot, editor of Campaign US, Maisie McCabe, UK editor of Campaign, Rahil Chopra, editor of Campaign India, and Robert Sawatsky, editorial director of Haymarket Business Media, representing Campaign Asia. So you were all in Cannes, and now you're all back in your respective bases. Uh, let's just introduce each of you and summarize your Cannes 2023 in three words. So, Alison. Hi. Um, my three words are productive, fruitful, and creative. Great. Rahil. Uh, purpose, AI, and print. Oh, Robert. Um, exhausting, uh, connective, and if I can cheat with an acronym, ROI. Okay. And Maisie? I think I'd probably go for work, walking, and worthwhile. Fantastic. So we had the final night of the awards, and these are the headlines from that last night, and it gives us also an overview of the whole festival. So in film, there were dual winners for ITV and the campaign against delivering miserably for the last photo and Apple for RIP Leon. Then for the Dan Whedon Titanium Grand Prix, the government of Tuvalu's campaign, The First Digital Nation, made by the Monkees, part of Accenture Song, was the winner. And for the Glass Lion, Chael Worldwide Seoul, on behalf of the South Korean National Police, won for Knock Knock, won the Grand Prix. And the company awards from the final night, this was for the performance over the whole festival, Gut Buenos Aires was the big winner, winning Agency of the Year and Independent Agency of the Year. Then you had DDB Worldwide winning Network of the Year and Omnicom winning Most Creative Company of the Year. So those are the headlines. Now, later on in this show, we're going to hear from Ancelo Ramos, who is the co-founder and creative chair of Gut. And he set out a pretty impressive ambition for the agency, which was founded in Buenos Aires and Miami in 2018. Just a year later, he said that Gut would win Creative Agency of the Year at Cannes by 2023, and he's done it. And he is on a mission, and he describes the agency as a bunch of passionate Latinos, and it's a case of when, not if, the agency comes to London. And he's got this great story about a woman who said to him, you're not ready for London. Well think guts proved they're ready for the world now. Now let's talk more about the work and the festival itself with Alison, Maisie, Rahil and Robert. So I think the first thing to say is, Robert, you were actually at the awards ceremony on the Friday night. And can you describe what happened? I mean, it must have been pretty good for gut. They actually picked up three prizes. They also got the independent network of the year. So what, what was it like in the, the Palais for the big final night? It was great. It was a great event. I thought it was really well produced. It helped that there was some star power in the form of Spike Lee, uh, you know, coming up on stage and, uh, you know, addressing everyone. Um, so it really felt more like a big awards show. And you're right, Gut provided probably the most, uh, you know, you know, adrenaline and the most energy coming up. I think Phil Thomas joked about it, you know, when people come up and they just, you know, casually, you know, get their awards. This is after they came and were, you know, really exuberant on stage. So no, it was a fun night. I, I thought it was really well, well done. Okay. And Maisie, in terms of the film winners, you know, interesting, you got two quite different winners, one from Britain, one from the US. Tell us a little bit about what your view of the film Lions winners was. 
Yeah, so Adam and Eve DDBs um, work for Carmen ITV. The last photo or the last video in this case won one of two um, film Grand Prix alongside an Apple ad, although it wasn't necessarily the Apple ad that some of us expected. So Apple won the Grand Prix for Relax, it's an iPhone, RIP Leon, which was um, sort of showed a, a kind of dead lizard, basically, um, and someone's texting to explain the lizard's dead and then it comes back to life and they can delete the text message because of iPhone's sort of wonderful functionality. Um, but a lot of us in the UK expected the greatest for from Apple to do well. So it's, it's quite interesting. The Greatest was directed by Kim Gehrig through some such in London. And as we understood it at the time, was sort of creative directed by Alice Tong from London as well. But it was entered as a US um, entrant, which I guess is your prerogative if you're Apple and you're an American. But um, yeah, so that, we, that I was really expecting that, that to do well in film. So for that to only get a silver was a surprise. Um, and I think actually the US didn't get many golds in film either there was orchards ocean spray ad which lots of people enjoyed also and they got a silver so yeah it was interesting obviously great for the the brands great for madam and the ddb to get that grand prix um but one of the things that i thought was interesting was that the jury president who was bruno batelli who's the global chief creative officer at publicist worldwide chose in the press conference to highlight that most of the golds were 30 second ads um which i thought was interesting because a lot of films that win in advertising ceremonies are longer films and so for example the greatest the full version is over two minutes and so for a, a jury president to kind of highlight the length of an ad you know it sort of suggests that that is a good thing and it's a positive thing that they've rewarded 30 second ads and let's face it most of the ads that people see are 30 second ads yet if you were maybe a creative entering an award scheme with a longer ad, you might have been helpful to know that the jury would have enjoyed awarding shorter versions of ads. Well, it's good to know about the film winners. Let's move on to Titanium now. Robert. Yeah, so this uh, is the first digital nation um, for the government of Tuvalu, uh, which was put together by the Monkees, which is part of Accenture Song. Um, the first digital nation is essentially um, a project which enshrined the, the, the nation in digital form. They essentially moved to the, uh, to the metaverse uh, because it's a low-lying nation of, of islands that is in danger of, um, of rising sea levels, you know, overrunning the country. I think already about 40% of it has been uh, affected by rising sea levels. And this was a way for them to plan for the future that would, you know, ensure that they kind of remained a nation, uh, even if they, uh, you know, if if the um, sea levels continued to rise and they were, they were, they no longer had land, physical land. Um, when it first came out, it it seemed, I think, to many like more of a gimmick or a stunt. You know, the first you know digital nation. It had some impact because of the speech um, that was given by Tuvalu's minister. For, for justice and foreign affairs during the COP27 conference. But what happens is that at least at Cannes too, I think, you know, when the jury is able to take a closer look at the work, you're better able to see that it was more than an archive for this country, that really it meant that steps would be taken to 
preserve their national rights, their fishing, um, uh, the right to kind of, you know, fishing and other, you know, privileges that they could have as a nation by doing this step. So in the final press conference, David Droga, who was the titanium um, jury president, you know, was saying that this was about setting precedents and also pointed out um, possibly because he was the jury president, that this was the highest ranked, um, you know, uh, from start to finish, uh, that it was, it always came out on top, uh, among, among the jury from the, from the beginning. So there wasn't much, much, much question about it. Now, Robert, one more campaign from the Asian region. We talked about knock, knock, you flagged this right at the start of our can coverage is doing well in it. And it won the glass line. Yeah, it seemed for a while that it you know might not win as much as kind of we suspected, but it did win the glass line. Um, uh, so you know I won't re-describe it again, but it essentially you know allows domestic violence victims to talk to the police without saying anything. Very practical, um, something that was put in place in in Korea. And um, the jury president Tiaoglo was saying that you know it's not enough to to say something at this point. You know, anything that's that's winning has to push the needle and, and create actual change. And this is this is what it did. Um, so it was nice to see that kind of reward at the end and for you know them to take the stage. Um, the the interesting thing that I thought kind of coming out of, you know, the two awards that I've described on the final night was and being at the award show would be. And this is uh, this might be one suggestion for those you know who are. Uh, you know, producing the show, it would be really nice to tie it back to those affected by the campaign. So if you have, you know, the winners, you had, you know, the monkeys from Accenture going up there and winning, fair enough, it was their campaign, but it'd be great if you could see, you know, perhaps on a screen by video link, people from Tuvalu celebrating along with it, it would just tie it in together much more. Same thing with, um, with the Knock Knock campaign. I mean, it was largely, uh, you know, male members, men from Chael who went up to accept the award, it'd be great if it could tie back somehow. Um, it You wouldn't be able to do that for every award, but it might be nice for the Grand Prix winners. Okay. How do you feel your region did, Robert, APAC, versus, say, a year ago and so on overall? Uh, it did better. Uh, so about just a little more than 10% better than it did uh, last year. There's some variations, of course. So I think Australia and New Zealand, uh, by far, did quite a bit better than the past. Most of the other markets did slightly better. And uh, China was the one outlier where it was a bit uh, more disappointing. But I'll let, let Rahil talk about India. Yeah. So Rahil, we started the podcast at the start of the week going, oh, India's not doing too well, but actually you didn't do, as a region, you didn't do too badly. Yeah, I think it was about par, the performance, uh, 25 wins overall, 809 entries from India, about 80 shortlist, I think 77 to be exact. We won a Grand Prix, uh, Ogilvy India won the strategy agency of the year in the end, uh, and Leo Burnett had uh, all the, I think they had about nine wins in all. So at the end of the day, I think we, we, we did about par. Last year was an exception where we won 47, but I think 25 to 30 would be par for India. Amazing. Thinking about the UK, uh, decent can? I think the UK would be pretty pleased coming back. So we were up about, in overall, Lions, 25% year on year. So we got 107 Lions, five Grand Prix, which is equal to last year. We got 25 Golds, which is fantastic, up from 15 last year. 36 Silvers and 41 Bronze Lions. And there's a, a table detailing kind of all the different shops and production companies and different businesses that won Lions on campaignlive.co.uk. And Alison, how do you rate uh, the Americas? Um, I thought uh, the U.S. did good. I mean, we're 
always big and, you know, by sheer volume, we, we entered over 7,000 entries from the U.S. alone. So um, for me, the standout was Latin America. Um, I think just as evidenced by what you were saying about gut and um, personally, like from New York, I see where the in the U.S. where the Hispanic population is growing extremely quickly. I see so much creativity coming out of that community. And so I think it's really awesome to see all the ambition and, uh, you know, excitement coming from the region. Okay, great. Now, let's just talk about the winning work. And we could just overtake looking at the whole week. Anything in particular that stands out? So I'm going to start with you, Robert. Well, I've said a lot about the uh, the campaigns from Asia Pacific. But, you know, for me, I really enjoyed seeing the Artois probability win from Gut Buenos Aires. Um, this is a campaign for Stella Artois that looked at art history and looked at um Again, I don't know how many paintings that were kind of looked historical paintings that were looked at, and they examined the, the probability to which the beer being drunk in those those paintings was a Stella Artois, considering that the brewery goes back to I think thirteen sixty six something like that. Um, so they had to go in meticulous detail in terms of examining kind of you know where which region uh, the the painting originated from, where there were breweries in the area. Uh, so I, as a history major, I really appreciated all that attention to detail and, and going back. But I also think that there's something even about um, people with the younger generation that really find it cool to look at brands with history and kind of bringing that back and, and having kind of a participating and, and being part of a brand that's part of history. So uh, I, I enjoyed that one. The origins of Stella Artois date back to 1366 to a small brewery in Leuven, Belgium. During the following years, it expanded to the whole of Europe, to what we now know as Stella Artois. We crossed our historical data with art history data and came up with a probability. First, we focused on the color of the beer and the type of glass to determine the style of the brew. In this case, a golden pigment with a Pilsner glass. Then, after establishing the painting's year and geolocation, we compared them with our original brewery brand records of current expansion and distribution to find the matches. By connecting all these variables, we could calculate that the beer being portrayed in all these paintings could, in fact, be an Artois. Yeah, and Stella Artois, big brands and gut talk about the fact that that's doing big brand work they enjoyed. It was also the Creative Data Lion Grand Prix winner. So an interesting kind of new area. Uh, Alison, favorite bit of work from you? I really enjoyed the uh, Clash of uh, Clash from the Past campaign from Wyden and Kennedy Portland. I know it wasn't one of those like purposeful, like save the world kind of things, but I enjoyed it for a couple of reasons. Um, and, and I should explain in basically it was a fake history documentary they put together about the game as if it had been launched in 1982, even though it was really launched in 2012. Um, so I liked that it sort of really tapped into gaming culture, like the lore and the mythology that gamers get really into. I thought it showed an understanding of gamers, which advertisers don't always have. And I also just liked that it was um, it, it tied in a new a new media format that's extremely important that isn't always recognized in, in, in traditional award shows. So I thought that was a really well done campaign. Yeah. And gaming, again, expanding area, that lion, new category, attracting, I I think, from memory, over 600 new entries. And Rahil, favorite bit of work from you for from the festival? 
So Grand Prix was for Cadbury and uh, that's something that won last year as well. I'll go with my favorite, uh, being a cricket fan, and this is much talked about in India. Uh, when Kapil Dev scored his 175 in the World Cup in 1983, BBC went on strike that day. No one really got to see that innings. And what Airtel did, again, big brand work. They used AI and recreated that inning so that people could just watch it. So I think that was pretty interesting. It won gold in the um, it won gold in the brand experience and activation category. I thought that was a pretty cool piece of work. So now feels like a good time to wrap up what Cannes 2023 was like. Alison said on the first of these podcasts that going to Cannes Lions is a bit like build your own adventure. And I, I think that's true. Everyone has a slightly different agenda and mix of meetings, going to watch things, go to parties. So maybe I should go back to you, Alison, and say, how was your build your own adventure? And, and what was your takeaway from Cannes as an experience? Yeah, um, I had a great week in Cannes. I will admit I was a little bit hesitant, I guess, to go just looking at my packed schedule and all of the, you know, different responsibilities I had while it being my fifth time there and knowing how exhausting it is. Um, but when I got there, I was surprised to feel how like invigorated and inspired I was to be back with people. And even though I was there last year, it just sort of felt more like back this year. Um, and people, I, I think for me, the value was the connections that I made and um, the the sheer volume of people that I got to see in one week, in one place was was pretty amazing. And I'm really proud of the coverage we did on on Campaign US. So shout out to my team back in New York that was really doing a good job supporting our, our coverage. All right. Maisie, how was, how was Cannes 2023? Well, this year we made a kind of renewed effort to kind of engage with the work. Obviously, it's something that we've been thinking about a lot at Campaign. I mean, we always do, but particularly in the last year. So across the team, we attended the press conferences really engaged in the kind of chatter around talking to jurors, talk, go to, asking questions at the press conferences and also talking to people in the UK market and beyond about the work and what work was winning and what work should have won and what work could have won. Um, and I found that really interesting and enriching, sometimes disappointing or frustrating, but, um, but all the better for it because by sort of discussing and thinking about the work that we understand it better. Um, and so that informed, obviously, the podcast that we did, as well as our coverage of the winners on Campaign Live at UK, um, and also some of the yeah the the other work we did across the week. Rahil, how was Can twenty twenty three for you? Uh, so, like Alison, I was quite proud of the coverage uh, that Campaign India did too, with all the time difference and the limitations that we had. Uh, it was good to see people without the masks from last year. I was wearing one last year. Um, and the other trend that I saw, at least from India, was the, the return of independence. I know uh, Leo Burnett and, and Ogilvy won big, but we had the likes of talented, enormous, etc. who had entered, and I thought a lot more independence were there. That's a trend we're seeing in India. Yeah, very interesting. And Robert, your can 2023. Yeah, well, I guess I have to start off first by also giving a shout out to the Campaign Asia team, um, you know, for our coverage as well. Uh, you know, I had a lot of great support Um uh, you know, back in Asia as well. Um, I, I mean, I, very similar. So yes, it was build your own adventure. And I overbuilt a little bit, maybe packed too many, tried to pack too many meetings in, which which always conflicts if you're trying to do coverage as well. Um, but I think that on the whole, still the balance between the, you know, the two was great. And I, um, for, you know, for, for me, it's a meeting a lot of people around the region that I don't normally get to meet. And that's the more rewarding part than the, 
the necessarily the parties. And I, I also agree with what Maisie said. I think a lot of the, the excess has probably been, you know, squeezed out of the industry by now. So, uh, you know, at least you, I didn't see as much, you know, um, you know, excessive celebrating as maybe in the past. Good. Well, I think that just about brings us to the end of this first part of the podcast. And I think it's a good time to say that actually doing this global podcast has been a great thing. I think all all five of us have enjoyed it and the other members of the Campaign UK team who took part. And I think just that coming together every day, talking about who's won, sharing our experiences of attending the jury press conferences and the other reporting has been really good. And we hope you, the listeners, have enjoyed it. I think one of the things that also was definitely in the air in Cannes, but wasn't actually as big a deal as maybe we expected, the debate about sustainability. I think it was obvious that some of the environmental activists held back a little bit and were more going for dialogue rather than action. We'll have to see what happens next time. Uh, But perhaps the other thing which is interesting about the future of Cannes, I do think a lot of people say, understandably, is it worth it and everything. But there were a very large number of clients there that came up in our conversations during the week. And I think that sense that if the clients are there, then I think everyone else follows because it's the client's money that starts things off. So uh, just to say thank you to all four of you. Thanks for joining me. And now we heard a lot about gut already. So let's hear from the agency of the year. Welcome, Anselmo Ramos, who is co-founder and creative chairman. Congratulations. Hi, Gideon. Thanks for having me. Uh, so Friday night, I mean, the, the scale of your victory is pretty amazing. It's the first time an Argentine agency has won. It's uh, an, You're an independent agency. You're five years old, founded in 2018. You've got the Creative Agency of the Year. You also got Independent Agency of the Year and Independent Network of the Year with your seven offices. So... Uh, amazing. You've got three Grand Prix. So that shows the scale of you know, all the work that you were getting recognized for, each for a different client. So uh, how did you celebrate on Friday night? Oh, it was crazy. We we went to the Baoli in Cannes and um, a lot of clients joined us and we were dancing all night. I, I still probably have some rosé in my blood. I still, I'm still pinching myself. I still can't believe what happened last week. It's, it was a dream come true, really. But this was a dream that you articulated, right? In 2019, you told Campaign US that you had this ambition to dream big and to win Agency of the Year at Cannes by 2023. And you talked about it on social media. You set this target. So it's pretty amazing. Why did you set the target? And then, like, how determined were you to do it? Yeah, I love doing that. I love sharing my dreams publicly. So on January 2020, I tweeted that on 2023, we would be Agency of the Year in Cannes. When I did that, of course, a lot of people I got told me why we're doing this, why we're sharing our dreams publicly. But it's a weird technique that I have because that makes me accountable. Because if I don't deliver on it, I will look stupid. So I love to create my own problems in a very public way. Now, tell us a little bit about the history of gut, because I think it's true to say that a lot of people would not have heard much about gut. Although, to be fair, you have won a couple of Grand Prix in previous years at Cannes. And so you and your partner, Gaston Bihio, set up uh, in 2018 
what were you doing before that? And how come that you decided to set up this agency? So before uh, we were at David, which was part of WPP and Ogilvy, which was a great training ground for us because we learned how to open an agency on Daredine. But after five years, we were ready to just go on our own and we decided to jump. That was only five years ago. So, and that's why I guess we cried up on stage because five years ago, I was taking a second mortgage on my house and I was telling my family, my wife and my two daughters, hey, that is going to start a new agency. And then, you know, I didn't pay myself for two years. So five years later, when we are getting all these awards, I, I couldn't contain myself. I was just crying because it's just, it was very clear for us that nothing great comes without sacrifice and everything was worth it. But yeah, that's why I cried and I'm still crying almost every day. When you were in your earlier in your career, were you always thinking you were going to set up your own agency? Oh, yes. Basically, since I was 19 um, and I, I went to college in Sao Paulo, Brazil, communications and marketing, since then, I've been dreaming about having my own shop, my own independent agency. It took me a while. You know, it took me like, a couple, like 25 years. But finally, final it's happening and I'm, we're having the time of our lives because we're independent and we can do whatever we want, right? That's why we're, we're growing so fast. We'll talk about the growth in a minute. Let, let's talk about the work that won at Cannes. So I, I don't know which was your favorite, but the three Grand Prix, there was one for Perdidos Yar and another for Stella Artois. And then those were both ran in Argentina and then DoorDash in the US. Um, which of those was your favorite? I think my favorite is Stella Artois' work, the Artois Probability which was basically looking at old classic paintings that would portray beer. And then through data, we'll analyze that beer like in terms of color, where, where the painting was painted, if it was close to a brewery or not. And then we'll calculate, calculate like a probability of that beer being a stellar toit. That was the idea, right? We love that because it's great to see Stella back in Cannes. When I think about, you know, the old days of the great stellar twat advertising you know coming out of the uk it was just so beautiful and inspiring a lot of you know storytelling and craft so it's good to see stella back to winning again so that was my favorite yeah and um some of the creative directors and people i've spoken to have liked it because it was kind of silly and that's something that maybe there's a lot of purpose-driven work at can and this was something quite playful Exactly. I think we need to be, as an industry, we need to be a little more stupid and silly. Everything felt very serious this year in Cannes. Almost like everything was purpose-driven, which is fine, right? I mean, it makes sense for some brands, but I'm just missing more fun work, just humor and comedy and just being stupid and silly. I'm really missing that as an industry overall. And um, something else which was interesting is, is that some of your work, like the World Cup delivery, which was a sending a notification on the food delivery app um, for people thinking that they'd ordered some food, but actually it was saying that the World Cup was coming to Argentina and then they, they could go on the map and see the, 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 
the team coming back uh, to Argentina. That that there was no media dollars on that. And actually, if I look at the Grand Prix that you won, in, they were in mobile, they were in creative data, and they were in PR with DoorDash and the Self Love Bouquet. And um, I was thinking, you know, some of this is outside paid advertising. In fact, you seem to almost boast about some of it being outside paid advertising. Anything to say about that and the kind of work that Gut does? Yes. We love all sorts of media, right? Paid media, owned media, and earned media. But our favor is earned media because that's the hardest one to get. So we as an agency, we're very proactive. Once we know the brand, the brand positioning and personality, we don't wait for briefs. We become a pain. We're, we tell our clients, hey, what about this? What about that? We're always bringing proactive ideas all the time to a point that sometimes clients tell us, please stop. We don't have the budget or the calendar to run all those ideas. But, you know, it's beyond our control. We are a bunch of nerds and we love what we do. So it's, you know, it, it, we just love the, the business. We love coming up with ideas. We, we can help ourselves. Now, I've got to say, you create very good award entry videos because I've watched all of the Grand Prix videos. Great music as well, which I think helps. And um, can you reassure people with these real, this is real work? Because there, there is some uh, a tradition, if you like, or it's a trend sometimes of what you might call scam work or let not always, yeah. you know, made, made to win awards work. Yes, we have really big clients and brave clients. We're very lucky. We started the agency with some of the most famous brands on earth. They're all big brands. And, um, you know, we never, as an agency, we never had like a, you know, a tattoo parlor or like, you know, an English school, like zero. It's always big, big brands. What we do is proactive work, right? We always go like, hey, you should be doing this because this is happening um, in social media, or this is a trend topic. So I think proactivity is one of our secrets. I would say that that's one of our signature moves, right? And and clients love that because they they see that we're always thinking about their brands in an almost obsessive way, right? You on your website, you talk about being a brave agency for brave clients, mm-hmm. but this is just advertising. I mean, bravery. Yes. Exactly. That's how we say. We say we are a brave agency for brave clients. So we're always trying to look for brave clients. What do we mean by that is clients that believe that bravery drives business. We actually did a presentation last year in Cannes for our clients, and the title was Bravery Means Business. And we basically show our clients how bravery can drive business results. And bravery is not only about doing crazy ideas. Bravery can be you can have a brave brief, a brave strategy, a brave product or service. So bravery goes across all marketing and communications. But we do believe that bravery is, a, is an accelerator to business results. And we're trying to look for those kind of clients. The thing is, bravery also is not binary, right? There's not such thing as you're either brave or you're not. So we create like a, the bravery scale from zero to 10, zero being completely dominated by fear and 10 being there's no other way to live. And what we, what we like to do is to take our clients on a bravery journey, you know, and go up on the scale, like from three to five to seven, 
So we love doing that, right? It's bravery needs to become like a daily conscious choice more than anything. And uh, who's got to 10? Any any work you would, you've done you think has got to 10 or near 10? 10 is very hard. It's almost unattainable. Uh, I would say that we have clients that are up there like on seven and eight, eight and a half. Like who? Like Mercado Livre, for instance. It's a client that it's... It's when we started to work with them, they were probably like a, a three and a four, like five years ago. And I'll say that now they are up there like around eight. They've been winning every year since the last three years. Heinz also, I think, is a brand that we work with them in Latin America. And Heinz is probably around eight, you know, or nine because of the work they are doing across the globe. Yeah. Are there enough agencies? And people inside agencies who who are brave, and uh, I guess I, you know I have to ask why you know if if that was a reason why you left David. I think right now our industry is very cynical overall. Everyone is so pessimistic about advertising, and and we are not. We love this business. We are optimistic about it. That's why up on stage we jump and sing and cry because we deeply care, right? I think it's really, when you see the work coming out of an agency, you can almost tell that they are having fun, that that group of people, they're probably having fun, right? So when I see the work coming out of Uncommon or Adam and Eve, DDB or Mischief in the US or Rethink, just to name a few shops, I think that they're having fun. They like advertising and that's why they're producing work that when we watch, we go, yes, these people like what they do. And this is just very rare right now in our industry. Yeah. I spoke to Nils Leonard of Uncommon before speaking to you today. And he, he cited you and I think he mentioned Joan from the United States, Rethink and Gut as yes. maybe there's a bit of a new wave. I, I guess there's always a new wave. But if, if there is a new wave, what, what, why... What what is it? Is it? It's not just energy, right? And passion. It's some. Is there something else? Are you? Is it quicker, faster? What's the kind of? What's? Is there anything about your approach? I think it's about love for what you do. It's it's about love for advertising. You need to start from that perspective. We love what we do, and yes, there's a lot of passion, and we're not cynical about it. We love our business and our industry, and it's really funny. We're all connected. Uh, we know Rethink, we know John, you know, Niels, I think we're going to meet tonight for the first time, right? I mean, hopefully, because we we like each other's work. We admire each other. So we're trying to help each other. And this is beautiful. We need more of that industry. So let's talk a little bit about your business. So you open simultaneously in Miami, which is where you're living, and in Buenos Aires, where Gaston lives. And then you're up to seven offices and you've got one, you've got the US, you've also opened in recently in the Netherlands. So um, why do you need all these offices? Because I thought we lived in a you know, virtual world where you could do everything from just a couple of places. And are these seven offices really all proper offices? Well, when we started GUT, um, the GUT started in Cannes. In, um, the idea of GUT is starting in Cannes in 2017. The day that we decided on the name God, I spent the whole night reserving handles on social media for different God offices, right? So God Singapore, God Mumbai, God Tokyo. And that shows our ambition, 
right? We want to create a global network. But it's not about quantity. It's about being in strategic places where we can have local insights so we can have more influence overall. Right now, we have seven offices. So in, in the, we have Miami, LA, Toronto, Mexico City, Buenos Aires, Sao Paulo, and we just opened in Amsterdam. And we're really excited about that because that's our first office in Europe. So yes, right now we're in Europe and eventually we want to go to Asia and Africa. And our plan is to basically, our plan is global domination, right? We want to be everywhere and, and have more influence as we grow. Are you going to use M&A? Are you going to buy anyone? We don't know yet. For now, it's been five years and we are 100% independent. We, we are not planning to acquire any company. We're not planning anything in that perspective. For now, we're 100% independent. We're having a lot of fun. Let's see what happens. But, you know, it's, our, our plan right now is to keep growing and keep offering more capabilities across the globe. And you don't, at the moment, you don't have any external investor, is that right? We are 100% independent, yeah. Um, now, one other fascinating thing to me anyway, is that you actually registered the company uh, in London, Gut Agency Limited, and you did this right at the start. And I can actually see, if I go to company's house, that you made a $3.5 million profit in 2021, which is not bad. But what you don't actually have any operations in London. What's that about? And uh, yeah. Yeah, well, when we had David, we didn't plan for success. So we grew, you know, in a not um, organized way. We got, we tried to do something different. We tried to plan for success. So we opened uh, UK holding and um to to organize all the offices so yes we have a legal entity in the uk and we will come one one day to the uk it's just a matter of time you know um got london will happen it's not a matter of if it's a matter of when i, I would love to come to london one day it's my favorite city that's why i'm here right now after can opening this year or i mean well, I'm not sure about, I, I, you know, first we need to establish Amsterdam, right? We just opened Amsterdam a couple of months ago. So we're going to start with Amsterdam as a hub for Europe. But London will be our second one in Europe for sure. Yeah, we'll come to London. When I was a junior writer, I think I was 24. I came to London to show my book to a couple of, of agencies and some recruiters. And most of them were really nice with me, like almost all of them, like they gave me tips and advice on my book, on my work. But there was like one woman that told me, darling, you're not ready for London, right? You should go back and just improve your work and get, get, you know, get better work. So that motivates, as you can see, I never forgot that. So one day I want to come back to London find her and say, okay, am I ready for London now? You know, as you can see, you know, I'm Scorpio. So apparently we're very vindictive as a sign. I don't know. So you do have a little bit of um, a revenge mission. Oh, yes. I'm driven by revenge. You know, 
And the best and the best revenge is great work. I tell I tell my team, you know, just focus on the work. Everything else is a consequence. If you do great work, that's the best answer to anyone, anybody. Just do great work. Very last thing. So you had a good can. And does can matter? I mean, Wyden and Kennedy, I think, as the other independent agency that's won in the last 10 years, and they've won twice. I mean, are you, are you going to keep going at it? Just, is can actually worthwhile? It is. It is if you are a creative-driven shop, right? A lot, most agencies are not. For most agencies and clients, it doesn't really matter if you win in can or not. In our case, we are a creative-driven shop. We believe that creativity drives business results. The clients that come to God, they are looking for creativity. They also expect to win here. So we're all aligned. So it's a good, it's about validation. It's when, you know, your competitors tell you that what you're doing is creative and it's good. Also, the ideas that win, usually you need business results. You're not winning because it's creative for the sake of it, right? You need results. So it does matter. If you're a creative-driven agency, it does matter. And the thing is, I always say that the Monday after Can, which was yesterday, is our January 1st for advertising. So Happy New Year, everyone. We're all back to zero lions. We're back to zero right now. Our clients have zero lions. All clients have zero lions right now, and all agencies are back to zero. We're all equal as of today. So, you know, it's a never-ending game. Now we need to build everything all over again, you know, with great briefs and great work and finding the right clients and just, you know, being passionate about it. So today's January 2nd, actually. Okay. Five, you've been going five years. Where will you be in another five? In another five, we want to have more impact in the world. We want to establish God in Europe. And then we want to go to Asia and Africa as well. And in, ten, in five years, we want to be the most diverse, creative, and influential independent network in the world. You know, and it feels very uncomfortable saying that out loud, but you know, I don't care. You know, it gives me, it gives me a problem, you know, now I need to deliver on it, but we just, we're having a lot of fun. We love what we do and we just want to have more fun in more markets with more brands, adding more capabilities to grow our influence when it comes to advertising communications. Well, I feel like you scored with the World Cup delivery of the Agency of the Year trophy to GUT. So congratulations. And Anselmo, thank you for joining us. And, thank you. And we look forward to you know, seeing what GUT does next. So thanks so much. Thanks, Gideon. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. It was a pleasure. Thank you. So now we've reached the end of our series of global podcasts about Can Lions. Thank you very much to Alison, Robert, Maisie and Rahil. If you'd like to read more about Can Lions and our other news from the advertising world, visit our websites, campaignlive.co.uk, campaignlive.com for the US, campaignindia.in for Campaign India and campaignasia.com. Likewise, if you enjoyed this episode of the Campaign Podcast, please follow us wherever you listen to your podcasts. The Campaign Global Podcast have been produced by Hannah Holt, 
and Nav Pal from Haymarket Business Media and Aidan Lyons from Rethink Audio. Thank you so much for listening and I hope you'll join us next time on behalf of the campaign teams around the world. Goodbye. Goodbye.